Take your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 33 this evening. We're going to continue our study here. In fact, we're wrapping up. Uh, we are to our final five kings. We've been studying each king of Israel and Judah. And I don't even know for sure how many kings there are, uh, although I believe this is the 37th message, but we had a few extras in there, and there was a few kings that we combined into one message, so I'd have to go back and count each of the kings. But I do know we're down to the final five now. And the king we're going to study tonight, I was tempted just to do a flyby over him and just do a quick little hit on him and get to the next king. The next king I'm excited for. I'm excited about tonight's message now, but I wasn't getting into it because there's not a whole lot on this guy this evening, but I believe the Lord gave me some good thoughts that I want to share with you this evening. But chapter 34, we get to Josiah. King Josiah began reigning when he was eight years old. How many eight-year-olds we have in here this evening? Eight-year-olds, stand up. Stand up, eight-year-olds. Parents, can you imagine them becoming the king or queen of Judah? Giving them full bore and reign? I tell you, Josiah does. He becomes the king of Israel, or excuse me, Judah. You may be seated if you're still standing, eight-year-olds. And... Uh, uh, he becomes the king of Judah and does an amazing job. And so I'm excited about this next study of King Josiah. But before we get there, there's King Ammon, A-M-O-N. And um, I wanted, like I said, to do a, f a flyby. For instance, his reign is short. He reigns for two years, not very long. The exposure he has in Scripture is brief. There are eight verses in 2 Kings 21 and five verses in 2 Chronicles 33, and they basically say the same thing. And so there's not a whole lot of scriptural information. And another reason I was ready to move on, Ammon is one of the, one of the evil kings. He does evil in the sight of the Lord. And just to be honest with you, church, I'm getting sick and tired of the evil, all right? Uh, I want to preach on something good. And we're living in evil days, and I didn't want to rehearse another one, but as I prayed about it, and I did some study and reading, I believe the Lord really worked in my heart on a thought, a thought this evening for you. Not thoughts, not a five-point message or anything, just a thought for you this evening. So let's read our text here, verse 21 of chapter 33, down through the end of this chapter. Ammon was two and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh his father. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made and served them, and humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more, and his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. But the people of the land slew all them that had conspired against, the king, against king Ammon, and the people of the land made Josiah, his son, king in his stead. If you recall, let me review a little bit about Manasseh. Uh, we saw him here in chapter number 33. And uh, Manasseh, if you recall, was one of the most evil kings in the nation of Judah. He may have not been the most evil kings between the kings of Israel and Judah, but of Judah itself, he's probably the most evil king to have a, a reign there. Uh, he was involved in the worship of Baal, Ashtoreth, 
the stars, Molech, back in uh, the, the passage in 2 Kings about him, tells him that he passed his children through the fire. That was the practice of Molech. They would get this great large beast made out of metal or made out of stone and they would heat it up from within and it would become boiling hot and they would place their children in the arms of this idol there to scald their children, often killing their children. And, and, and Manasseh was involved in that type of behavior. He got involved in sorcery, divination. He consulted with mediums and spirits where he tried to communicate with those that were dead. He even took these idols of these false gods and he placed them in the temple of the Lord. On top of his great wickedness that Manasseh had, he had the longest reign of any king in Judah or Israel. In fact, it's by far the longest. He reigned for 55 years. The next closest, I believe, was 41 years. And so he had a long, long reign. And not surprisingly, Manasseh faces the judgment of God. Uh, go back with me to 2 Chronicles 33. Look at verse 11. It says, Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the kings of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And so this is the judgment of God, God using uh, the Assyrians there to bring some judgment upon this man, this wicked king of Judah. And here's what we find out about Manasseh. While in judgment, while in captivity, he repents. Amen. He turns his heart to God. Look at verse 12 and 13. When he was in affliction, affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him and was in, he was entreated of him and heard of his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. I tell you, God's a good God, isn't he? Here is this wicked, wicked, wicked king. You can't get any more wicked than him, it seems. And yet when he turned his heart to the Lord, he repented. The Lord saved him. The Lord took him. The amazing part of this account is not how wicked Manasseh is, but it is how good God is. Think about that, church. Not just the, let's not focus on the wickedness of Manasseh right now, but focus on the goodness of God. And by the way, it's not surprising that God's this good. It's just amazing that he's this good. I'm not surprised about how good he is. I'm not surprised that God would, would save and, and, and redeem this man as evil as he is. In fact, I think it'd be good for all of us this evening just to pause and humble ourselves and admit how good God has been to us. Forget about Manasseh. Forget about his wickedness for a moment. Think about your own wickedness. Think about you. Think about what you and I deserve tonight. And yet God loves us. God saved us. God's been good to us. Remind you what Psalm 107 verse 21 says. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. When's the last time you just thank God for how good he has been to you? Tonight that you're not in hell? That you're not in a place where you're separated from God? 
You're on a path that's leading you away from God. Aren't you grateful for the goodness of God? Oh, church, I pray that our hearts would be touched by this. We'd be, we'd be convicted by this of how good God has been to us. And so, again, it's not so much that we focus on the wickedness of Manasseh as much as we should, uh, uh, we should focus on the goodness of God. God was good to Manasseh in that he gave Manasseh time to turn, time to repent. Manasseh had 55 years of a reign. Uh, Manasseh had a lengthy life. God gave him time. God was good to him in this fashion. He gave Manasseh grace. Uh, He gave him something he did not deserve, something he did not earn. God gave Manasseh mercy, not giving him what he did deserve. Uh, God was good to Manasseh. God's been good to us. But then the question comes tonight, what about Ammon? Ammon reigned for two years. We never see a repentance on Ammon. We never hear about him humbling his heart. Ammon did not get to experience the time that his father did. He has a short reign. Uh, No scripture shows us that he experienced the grace like his father did. No scripture shows us that Ammon ever experienced mercy like his father did. But guess what? God's still good, isn't he? Although the story is different in Ammon's life, there's a long, there's a shorter time period, all those things, God is still good. But I want to give you this thought this evening, and I trust that whether you're an adult or a young person here this evening, that you would get this thought with the thought of Ammon. Do not wait too long to get right with God. Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll do it someday. Sometime down the line, I'll, I'll start living for God. Sometime down the line, I'll get this, this area of my life that I know I'm wrong and I'll get that taken care of. Sometime down the line, I'll surrender to, to this calling in my life that God's burdened me with. Don't put these things off. Ammon, perhaps, I don't know, we don't really get a good, clear picture of when uh, his reign started in relation and, uh, or when uh, Ammon's uh, repentance turned and, and how much of this he saw in the life of his father. Did he see him in his most wicked days and all those things? We know it had an influence in his life because he says there again that he, he worshipped the images that his father Manasseh had made and he served them. And so there was this influence, but we don't know how much do they solve his father's revival and his father's repentance? But he maybe had this thought, someday I'll get right with God. Someday I'll do it. My father was able to go a long time. Perhaps I can go a long time. When I was a sophomore in high school, if you wanted, I'll save you the math. That was 1986 and 87. And when I was a sophomore, our Christian school, we had uh, played in our, our soccer tournaments and we were, made the, our state championship games. And we were going to go down to uh, about, uh, down, we were in Cleveland, Ohio, we were going to go down outside Dayton, Ohio to a college there called Cedarville University or Cedarville Christian College at that time. And they were hosting that, that state championship tournament between 
there were four teams in that tournament there for two days. And that was about a two and a half hour to maybe two hour and 45 minute drive, unless you were in 1986 Baptist church bus uh, uh, driving down the highway. It was a long haul, well over three hours, probably three and a half to four hour long trip. And it was in the 80s still, and there was, in that time, you know, I was a, a sophomore, one of the young guys on the team, uh, and, uh, uh, and that meant I carried all the balls in the, in the med kits. You know, you were bottom of the barrel, did all those things. You didn't sit in the back with all the cool older guys. You sat up front and all those things. And so I was up in the third or fourth row, sitting next to soccer balls all by myself and, and, and doing my thing. And, and uh, uh, one of the seniors gets on. In fact, he was the most popular senior. In fact, he was the most athletic guy in our school. He was the jock. He was the most popular guy. And he looked at the back of the bus, and he looked around, and he looked down to me, and he picked up the balls and put them in the seat next to over there, and he sat down next to me. He said, do you mind if I sit next to you, Carp? And I said, sure. And so for the next three and a half hours, me and this guy sat next to each other and had this opportunity to talk. And so, of course, our conversation was about high school things and maybe the tournament and, and our season, and I'm sure it went all over the direction, but after a while, uh, our, our conversation topics were getting less and less, and, and I remember him asking me about, hey, your dad's a pastor, right? What's it like growing up in a preacher's home? And asking me questions about growing up in, the, in a pastor's home, and we talked about that, and that led us down a path of spiritual talk. Spiritual talk between a sophomore and a senior in a Christian high school. Now, neither Eric or I were the most evil kids in our school by far. We were not wicked boys at all, but we weren't godly guys either. We weren't dedicated to the Lord. We had not committed ourselves to just falling hard after God. And in our conversation, we talked about that. And I can remember our conversation ended up with this, that someday we wanted to live for God. Someday we were going to make the choice to live for Him. Oh, it was going to be after college and probably after marriage and after, and after kids, and, and then I'd get serious about serving God. And I want to tell you tonight, I regret those type of decisions. I wish that I would have stood up for the Lord as a sophomore in high school. I wish that I would have chosen as a sophomore in high school that I was going to live for God right then. Now, I'm grateful to God and His mercy and His grace that He did allow me to eventually come around. He was patient and long-suffering with me. But do you realize that doesn't always happen for everybody? Time gets away from some people. In fact, I have another story I was... Probably when I was in eighth grade, there at the same Christian school. I was standing one day in our gymnasium after, after school, just standing against a wall, and this, this older kid, a senior, comes there, and he's got a basketball, and he starts throwing it at my, right above my head, and I'm ducking and stuff, and he's, he thinks that's funny, you know, and I'm ducking and everything, and he wasn't trying to hit me, but he's just playing with me, throwing that basketball above my head, and and, 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 and he, he came up to me, smacked me on the back. I'm not going to hurt you and everything. He goes, he goes, what's your name? And I told him, he goes, do you know who I am? And I, and I called his name out. I said, yeah, you're Dave. And 
I called out his last name. He said, how do you know me? I said, well, everybody knows you. You're a top soccer player, top basketball player. You're popular in school. Everybody knows you. And found it funny a week or two later during chapel, he gave a testimony. He got up there and he said, he goes, I was in the gym the other day and I was picking on this nerdy little kid in the basket in the gym there, throwing a basketball at his head. And when he said that, I started sinking down in my chair and I was like, he's talking about me. And he went on talking about how this kid reminded him that he's a testimony and that everybody knows him. And he said he, that day, he says, I'm going to start living for God. Amen. He said, I'm going to, this kid's reminded me of my testimony. I'm going to start living for the Lord. He said it, but he didn't live it. In fact, it wasn't long after that he went into the military and in a drunken stupor one night, he fell off a, a pier, hit his head on a post, and drowned. And I've thought about that guy for years. Maybe he thought one day I'll start serving the Lord, but time got away from him. Time was taken from him. Sometimes it's not just time that we lose, sometimes it's the desire we lose. It just never comes back, does it? See, see, the draw of the world is strong, isn't it? The temptations of the world are strong. Uh, Satan knows exactly what he's doing. He draws us in. He, he's like that master fisherman that throws that lure out there, and he knows exactly what we want, and he tempts us, and he draws us away. And sometimes you may have an intention right now that someday I'll live for God, but don't. Don't, 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 don't you ever think that Satan couldn't just draw you away and that desire may never be back again. Sometimes time gets away from us. Sometimes desire gets away from us. And sometimes church, God just says that's enough. I'm not going to use you. I'm just going to let you sit there and go out and do your own thing. I've talked to people before and they feel like they're on God's, they're on their plan C, D, E, or F. You know, they've done so many things and they just have no joy in their life. And so what I'm saying tonight, church, is this. Don't wait for someday. God's working in your heart. God's dealing with something. Today is the day. Ammon only had two years of a reign. Ammon lost his life. All these things. We see this in comparison to, uh, 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 to his father. We may say, oh, it's not fair. It's not right. Why did, uh, why did Manasseh get all this time and Ammon only got a short amount of time? I don't know. Those are all things in God's hands. But I'm telling you tonight, God got something on your heart that he's been dealing with you about. Get it right tonight. Uh, hey, listen, you've been saying, I'm going to serve God someday. I'm going to teach that class someday. I'm going to get involved in the choir someday. Now, do it now. Let's not wait. I look across this room and I see young people, elementary age. I see teenagers. Don't wait, young people. Get involved with the Lord now. Adults, maybe you've been saying that someday I will. Maybe you made that type of commitment at some point in your life. Someday I will. Then get busy for the Lord now. Or perhaps you're sitting here this evening and you've said someday 
I'm going to get saved. And you've put it off, and you've put it off, you've struggled with it, you've, you've dealt with it, you've been convicted before, and you've, made this, you've, you, you've just pushed it off. Then get it settled now. Ammon didn't have much of an opportunity. 24 years old and he was gone. There's a lesson to learn from him is don't put things off. Get things right with God now. And so whether it's a way of your living your life, perhaps it's a God's been dealing with you about serving him in some fashion, surrendering in some area, let's do these things right now. I think with all of my heart, we are living in the last of the last days. I think the Lord Jesus could come back at any moment and take us out of here. And I want to be found when he does come back that I was faithful, that I was serving God, I was doing what he's called me to do, that the things that were important to God were important to me. And it starts by making that decision, that choice, right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this evening? We'll have just a moment of prayer, and if the Lord's touched your heart, then we're going to ask you to respond right now. Make that decision this evening. Don't put it off. I'm going to pray, and the piano's going to play, and the altar's available, and if the Lord's touched your heart, you can respond. If you need someone to pray with you, there'll be people here this evening to, to, to pray with you. You want to make some decisions or whatever, but we'll do this now. And if the Lord's not working in your heart, we'll end this, this, this invitation soon. But be obedient to the Lord this evening. Father, I pray, God, you'd work in hearts and lives. Would you draw as only you can do, God? Help us to be obedient. Help us to make the decisions, Lord, you've laid on our hearts. Help us not to put things off. Lord, you're touching somebody's heart about a decision, about a a change in behavior, lifestyle, putting things away, ministry commitment, or whatever it may be, would you lay that on their heart, and would you convict them this evening, Lord, and may they respond in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as the piano begins to play. Would you respond tonight? Young people, don't put off the Lord Jesus. Serve him today. Adults, Would you serve the Lord today? Be committed to him.